Hometown Ghost Stories contains serious and often distressing events and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. This week on Hometown Ghost Stories, a mother finds the perfect doll that brings back memories of her childhood and her daughter's. She decides this will make a perfect birthday gift for her not-so-little girl anymore. Unfortunately for her, her daughter isn't the only one attached to the doll. Join us as we tell the true story behind the cursed object known as Annabelle. This is episode number 22 of Hometown Ghost Stories. Honestly, I don't know how you believe in this crap, Tim said to his girlfriend. I just have always liked a good ghost story, and it's not for a long time. We'll be there just for like an hour or so, Melanie fired back. She had seen an ad in the paper to tour the Warren's Museum of Haunted Artifacts, and she couldn't pass up the chance. After purchasing tickets for them and a few friends, they were at the doorway. Ed Warren himself was giving them a formal introduction to the museum. He showed them a few of the artifacts and gave them some history regarding them. A voice yelled out that he had a call from the church. He told the two couples to excuse him and be right back to finish the tour, and asked them not to touch anything, especially the doll in the case. When the door closed, Tim practically sprinted to the back. There she was, the doll that was the centerpiece to this museum of morbid artifacts. As the couple stood around it, a grin appeared on Tim's face. Hey, Annabelle, if you're real, show us something, he said, staring at the doll. Not so scary now, are you? Stuck in your case, he mocked as he tapped on the glass. Tim, come on, stop it, Melanie said, but he wouldn't. After a few more moments of taunting and tapping on the glass, he took a step back. He lifted his shirt and said, scratch me if you're so tough, scratch me. What the two couples didn't hear was Ed walking back in the door at this very moment. Get out, he screamed at the two couples. You have no idea what you're messing with. Melanie apologized on her way out as Tim just laughed while passing the older man. The two couples got back to the motorcycles that brought them to the haunted museum, and they quickly decided to go to a restaurant in town to get off the property. As they were driving down the road, Melanie on the back of Tim's bike, her hands around his waist, she thought she kept seeing something out of the corner of her eye. But when she would look over... There was really nothing there. She gripped onto Tim tighter. As she did, it pulled his shirt down a bit, revealing the back of his neck. She stared in disbelief as she saw three scratch marks from the back of his neck in blood slowly beginning to dribble out. While shocked, still staring at this, she heard a horn. And then everything happened so fast. She was in the air and then hitting the ground. When she came to, she saw a car flipped over in the middle of the road and the motorcycle demolished next to a tree. The paramedics were putting her on a board when she looked over and said to one, Where's Tim? Is he okay? Ma'am, I'm sorry. He didn't make it. Still not completely together, she tried to process this and looked back towards the motorcycle. There was Annabelle sitting on the wrecked bike, waving at her, staring with her wide black eyes and drawn-on smile. I'm Rob Coakley, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories. 
cursed possessions, the Annabelle doll. Raggedy Ann was a doll, later turned to a series of books created by writer Johnny Gruel in 1915. The inspiration for the doll came from his daughter finding a faceless doll in her grandmother's attic and having her sew buttons on the eyes. The month that Johnny would receive his official patent for the doll, tragedy would strike. The daughter, whose name was Marcella, would die the same month from an illness at just 13 years old. Johnny would spend the rest of his life working on Raggedy Ann projects, and by the 1940s, the books would sell over 7 million copies. In 2002, Raggedy Ann would be inducted into the Toy Hall of Fame. Hartford, Connecticut, 1970. A mother was looking for the perfect gift for her daughter. She couldn't quite figure out what to give the soon-to-be nursing school graduate. Then one day, she came across a Raggedy Ann doll. She stared fondly at it, remembering her childhood and having a similar doll, and then reading the stories to her daughter Donna when she was younger. She went to Donna's house on the day of her birthday and gave her the gift. And Donna was in love with it. She was so in love with it that she would take it to bed with her at night and talk to her on occasion. Donna happened to live with her roommate Angie. Angie found Donna's behavior towards the doll a little weird, but not too alarming. After a few weeks, some strange activity began. Wherever they left the doll, it would be in a slightly different place when they got home. Both girls thought the other was trying to prank one another, but they worked the same shift, so that was impossible. And then one morning, Donna came to the kitchen at breakfast with the doll and said, She's going to sit with us today. Both girls found this a little amusing and were even talking to the doll. So they did it a second day, and then a third. And on the third day, something very unexpected would happen. As the girls asked the doll a question, both watched in astonishment as the stuffed doll slowly raised both of her hands. The girls were stunned. Neither knew what to do. Instead of being frightened, though, they were intrigued. They called the psychic medium to come to the apartment. The medium was able to discern that the spirit was from that of a seven-year-old girl named Annabelle Higgins who had died in a motor vehicle accident somewhere very close or on the property. She informed the girls that all Annabelle wanted was to be a part of their little family. The nurses would take these words to heart and they would treat her like one of their own. They'd buy her clothes and jewelry and always include her in any activities around the house and things remained relatively peaceful. That is, until Angie's boyfriend, Lou, moved in. Now, Lou had always hated Annabelle. He was always a little suspicious and creeped out by the doll. He would tell the girls that they needed to get rid of her and to get this madness to stop of it moving around on its own. After this, the doll began to not just move slightly around, but full-on moving from a different room than where she was left. And then the escalations would get a little more intense. One night, Donna returned home from work. 
she started to find pieces of parchment paper all over the house with notes. Now, this was a little weird because nobody in the house owned any type of parchment paper like this. The notes would say, help us, or the even more sinister note of help Lou. Shortly after this, Lou would have one of his more disturbing encounters. He woke up in the middle of the night and was unable to move anything other than his eyes, feeling like something had a hold of him. His eyes darted around the room looking for the source, and then he looked towards his feet. He saw the Annabelle doll slowly moving up his body, and it stopped at his chest. He tried to yell to Angie, but nothing came out. The doll took her hands and started choking Lou. He said all he remembers from that point is feeling like he was being electrocuted. And then he woke up. Now he figured this was all nothing but a bad dream. But when he rolled over to face Angie, her eyes opened wide and she said, My God, Lou, what happened to your neck? Shortly after this, Lou and Angie were getting ready to go on a vacation. As they packed, they heard something moving around the room. As they looked around, they saw that Annabelle appeared to have been thrown in a corner, staring back at them. Lou, being frustrated at this point, yelled out at Annabelle, and then launched the doll out of their room. As he walked back, he dropped to a knee and grabbed his chest. Angie, frightened he was having a heart attack, ran to get the phone. Lou was on the ground shaking and screaming in pain and told Angie to come back. Donna and Angie raced back to him. They were mortified. As they stared at him, his shirt was leaking blood from the chest area. This couldn't have been a heart attack. They opened the shirt, and there were deep scratches across his chest. Lou described this pain as a burning feeling and almost unbearable. Now at this point, they had all had enough. Not knowing what else to do, they got in touch with their local church, who in turn contacted Ed and Lorraine Warren. The Warrens went and met with Donna, Angie, and Lou immediately. After hearing the story, Ed informed them that a ghost wouldn't be able to attach itself to an inanimate object. This was a demon that they were dealing with. The demon didn't want to live in the doll. Rather, it was attempting to possess one of the occupants of the apartment. They had an exorcism performed immediately on the doll. And the Warrens told the girls they would bring the doll back home with them for safekeeping. Now, wanting to be rid of this whole thing, the girls, especially Donna, didn't object, told them to take the doll with them. On the ride home, the Warrens were continuously stricken with car trouble and they broke down several times, and this was a brand new vehicle they were driving. At one point, it was so bad they weren't able to control it. As they were trying to pull to the side of the road, they saw a truck coming right for them. Now, luckily, they were able to recover and avoid the potentially deadly accident. Upon returning to the house, the Warrens would lock the doll in a case and had the entire room blessed once a week by a priest. Then one day, while at the home, a local priest that was starting up named Father Jason Bradford came by to see the Warrens. I'm going to let Ed tell you the rest of this story. A priest comes to my home one day. Young fellow. Has his rectory right here in uh, 
Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Ed, I'd like to take you and Lorraine for a ride in my new car. Very proud of it. We went with him. When he took us back, he said, what about this doll everybody's talking about? Because we had shown it on Channel 18, on a TV show we're on. Could I see it? I understand it puts slashes on people. I brought him into the museum. It's in a chair. Mm-hmm. He looks at it. Just like the guy in Hartford. He walks right over to it, never said a word. Picked it up and threw it right across the room. God is more powerful than a devil. I said, yes, Father. God is more powerful than millions of devils. But he wasn't. He found that out. Less than an hour later, driving home on Route 84, his brand new car went out of control. I know what he's talking about because the same thing happened to Lorraine and I when we talked about Amityville one time on Route 84. Hmm. You can't control the car. Half of his car was sheared off by a tractor trailer truck. He should have been killed, but he lived. God will only let the devil go so far. The last thing he remembers seeing was the image of that doll. Now, a short time after this, a group of younger adults pulled up on their motorcycles to see the Warren's famous occult museum. They were getting the tour from Ed when he received a phone call. He told them that they could look, but don't disturb anything, just leave things the way they found them. Once he was gone, one of the men in the group started taunting Annabelle. A few words at first, then that started to escalate, and he would tap on the glass and say, You're not real, Annabelle. If you are, scratch me. Scratch me. Ed walked in on the taunting and threw them all out. Three hours later, he would receive a call that there had been an accident, and the man taunting Annabelle had gotten into a motorcycle accident and was dead. And his girlfriend, who was on the bike with him, would remain in the hospital for almost a year. The woman would go on to say that the man was laughing about the doll while they were riding the motorcycle. Then out of nowhere, his eyes got so big as if he could see something. And the next thing she remembers is waking up with the paramedics and finding out that he was dead. Although the Warrens have both passed, Annabelle is still in their famous museum in Connecticut. Their son-in-law is now tasked with looking over Annabelle, as well as all the other items that they've collected in their many cases. They've constructed an even more elaborate box to house her in, and there have been no incidents in recent years. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome into episode number 22 of Hometown Ghost Stories. I'm Jesse Wilkins. I'm joined by Rob Coakley. How are you, Rob? I am doing great on this Tuesday Tuesday evening. How are you doing, Jesse? It's Tuesday evening. I'm, I'm doing just fine. And also, we're joined by uh, Dave Wilkins. How are you, Dave? I am well. Thanks for asking. Very good. So this is uh, episode 22, Hartford, Connecticut, if you will. Um, the Annabelle story, the true story behind the Annabelle doll. And I'm sure lots of people have seen the movie. And uh, or I guess it's a series of movies now, part of the yeah. uh, Conjuring um, movie series. What would you call it? The, the Conjuring the Controverse. The Controverse. Yes. Controversy. Yes. Uh, so uh, I, I saw the first one. I haven't seen any of the other ones. Did you guys see any of the other same. ones? I actually fell asleep during the first one, to be completely honest. I saw the complete first one, and it is the reason that I'll probably not see any of the other ones. 
yeah, I the, have heard the uh, one of the other ones is decent, so maybe, <clears throat> but yeah. Maybe we'll do a movie review on it. <clears throat> maybe. So before we dig too deep into this episode, we are, speaking of that, we are going to start doing some side content. We're going to be releasing it on uh, probably Fridays, maybe Thursdays. We're figuring that out. Uh, and this particular episode is a, a kind of a peek at what we're going to be doing with one of them, where we're going to be talking about Cursed Possessions. It's going to be a little lighter. Uh, the, the actual Cursed Possessions will be a little shorter than this as well, but it's going to be a little more co- conversational in tone rather than like telling like a narrated story. So you got kind of a hybrid tonight. But we just wanted to give you guys a little peek behind the curtain of what's coming. I thought it was cool. I thought it was, it was a little bit different than than the usual episodes. Not a bunch of. I mean, we can call it Hartford, Connecticut, because that's where the doll is now. Uh, no, that's where the that's where the nurses were. Okay. Oh, uh, it's so, still in. But it's, it's, in, in, it's in Connecticut, it's but still not in Hartford, Connecticut, but, but not Hartford. But Hartford is where the is where Annabelle Higgins died, and where the major part of the haunting happened. Oh, okay. All right. Yes. So uh, if you guys enjoyed that, I do want to encourage everyone to make sure that the way you support this podcast is give us a review. So drop a review on um, wherever you listen to the podcast, but it, it mostly counts if you guys can swing over to, to Apple Podcasts and, and drop a little five-star review and, and leave a comment. Let, you know, let us know what you think of the show. And then everywhere else, wherever you listen, you know, Spotify, wherever. But be sure to drop over there. And then if you want to see the visuals, check us out on YouTube if you're not watching on YouTube now. So... Drop us a subscribe there. You should um, just listen to the episode on every format available, like nine, ten times. Get through the episode, like it, sub- you know, all the stuff that we're going to tell you to do a hundred times. And uh, we should also thank our patrons who we show in the video, but it's Sarah R., Andrew W., Stephen V., and King Casher. Thank you for being Patreons to mm. us. And Casher's on Twitch, so if you need- new subs on twitch this week i do appreciate that anyways uh so this is uh this is part of the warren files if you will as uh as Catherine just weighed in and said um it was cool to see the interview that you included with the with ed and lorraine and uh yes. and having them talk about it because i had heard about the guy who died in the motorcycle crash which you had talked about in the opening story and then you alluded it to again towards the end now he's the one death that we know of that's tied to the annabelle doll there may be more but I hadn't heard about the accident that happened with the priest who threw the doll or whatever. And right. Ed had that famous quote that says, you know, uh, God is more powerful than the millions of demons, but you're not more powerful than them. And right. so he that, may or may not have learned that firsthand. So that, def- that priest, um, that same priest was at the Warren's house uh, about a year later for a, a party or a social gathering of some sort. And this is from uh, Ed Warren's book, The Demonologist. Um, so while they're at the party, the priest was talking to Lorraine in the room with Annabelle and they were talking about the accident and how crazy that was. And as they were talking, this boar tooth necklace that they had hanging on the wall exploded into pieces and made a huge noise. And upon hearing that noise, a whole bunch of other guests rushed in and started snapping pictures. And when the pictures were developed, one of the pictures, um, there were two beacons of light coming from the doll pointing straight at the priest so this is the same priest that was in the accident uh, the year or so before that, oh, wow. that uh, or Ed talked about in that interview. So, um, yeah, there's just a ton of crazy stuff around this, this doll that happened. 
That's pretty wild. Uh, the one thing that I want to say about the accidents is there are four incidences, incidents of a car accident or car trouble, and nobody seems to tie all these together. So it begins with the girl, Annabelle Higgins. She died in a, in a motorcycle. They, they weren't sure if it was a motorcycle or a car accident or something. Somehow a motorcycle was involved. I don't know the, the specifics behind it. It's a little tough to find that. But So Annabelle Higgins dies. The guy on the motorcycle dies. The Warrens have car trouble on their way home. And also this priest almost dies in a car accident. So this demon seems to really, whatever it is, its preferred method of like really screwing with you is through vehicles. Yeah. And I haven't seen anyone else just like kind of tie all that together. So I just kind of found that interesting as I was researching this. Yeah. Maybe they didn't. I, I mean, I, I've, I've heard a, a bunch of the Annabelle stories. I heard all the cards and stuff and I, it just seemed obvious to me. Like the, the correlation was car accidents. Maybe it was, maybe that's why no one talks about it. I don't know. Uh, so you're telling me I'm dumb. I'm telling you so uh, lukewarm take. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> this is where we're going. <clears throat> uh, there are a few uh, instances of weird things around the doll, not just um, car accidents that were actually uh, outlined in Ed Warren's book. There was another occasion um, where Ed was in his office with a detective that the Warrens worked with on a lot of the cases and they were working on a different case. And, um, you know, as a cop, he wasn't particularly superstitious and he didn't scare easily. So, um, one day while he was there Ed had to step out of the room and he warned him, he's like, don't touch anything. All of the, all the items in this room are cursed. Um, so Ed leaves and he's not away five minutes when the detective came up the stairs, just stark white as a ghost. And Ed's like, what's the matter? What's wrong? And he wouldn't tell Ed what the problem was. He just kept mumbling the doll, the doll, the rag doll is real. <laughs> oh, so really? that was the last time that that cop ever met at Ed's office. Anytime they worked in the future, it was always at the cop's office and the cop never told him what happened with the doll. Wow. <clears throat> I want to know. I, I know. What happened there? I, I was kind of uh, bummed out that the, uh, that's the that was kind of an anticlimactic end to that story. Well, didn't he say crazy. that he would tell, he would tell Lorraine what happened or something like that. And, but he wouldn't talk to Ed about it at all. Who? I didn't read about that. I, I the cop. That was the part of the story that I heard. Yeah, like basically just the to cop the the cop after it happened. He told Ed that he would tell Lorraine what happened once, but he wouldn't talk to Ed about it. Oh, I didn't. Uh, I think I missed yeah. that part. Yeah, I, and I don't know if he did tell her. He might have, but if he did, she hasn't said what it was, and she never told Ed from. And- as yeah, well, as Andrew just mentioned in the comments there, that cop did retire shortly after. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, that's enough. I wanted to call your take your story lukewarm after you decided to insult me <laughs> live on stream, but uh, that wasn't my story. Yeah, well, you know what? Whatever, Dave. Anyways, Jesse, what what were your takeaways as we mute Dave? There was uh, it was pretty much spot on with with most of the stories that I've, I've read on it again, I, I hadn't heard the story about the priest afterwards. So that definitely adds to it. Um, and the, most of the skeptics on, on this case, they don't really have much. They, they mostly just say that the Warrens are kooks and the mm. museum is just full of a bunch of junk. You can get at a Halloween store basically. And I, that just sounds like, like, you sound like a hater. Like it, it doesn't. It, yeah. You're not. You're not really debunking anything. But I, I guess the only real claim that makes it a little bit kind of 
um, could be suspicious or where they may have got, if you're going to take the skeptic side, where they may have gotten the idea from was, I guess, five years prior, there was a Twilight Zone episode called The Living Doll, which is basically the exact story of the Annabelle doll that ended up happening. Um, and there was also uh, a couple of movies. And then I believe Robert the Doll happened before this, correct? I'd have to look into it. I, have, I haven't looked yeah, into the timeline so, on the Robert the Doll stuff, to be honest. We are going to be yeah, doing so I think that were, at some point. Yeah, loosely basing it off of that or, or whatever. So that, that's the skeptic side of things. Is like, okay, well, they probably just got that idea from the Well, the idea episode, of but, um, dolls coming to life is actually an old, is a lot yeah, older. That's There's actually um, psychological studies that they've done on it where they test, um, I'm probably going to misquote this, but they test out humans' reactions to dolls by taking a face of a doll and slowly morphing it into the face of a, a infant. And they, mm-hmm. they measure like when the person reacts um, to the doll moving. There'll be a certain point where they think they see the doll moving, um, or they believe it comes to life. So, I, yeah, I, I think know. universally it, w- it was around like sixty percent. That's that's when they all started saying that's not a doll; that's a human. Was when, when there was like sixty percent turned real. So, gotcha. I'm glad that you. I, I'm not entirely. I, I know what study you're talking about, but there's no way that we're at all pitching. Right. <laughs> all <of> this, yeah. <laughs> Everyone that's listening is like, yeah, okay. Uh, I'm supposed to say anyone with a no. psychology degree is like, oh. yeah. Thank <laughs> you for that luke, lukewarm review of that uh, study. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, uh, Andrew brings up Pinocchio, and yeah, that's that's exactly to the point. Pinocchio's so old, and that's about a, a doll coming to life. It's just we look for these things and especially in something that's like human shape like that. And look at the way these dolls used to look like back in the day when the no face, how terrifying that was. So, I mean, imagine this, those things sitting around you uh, (laughs) in your home. I, my grandparents house, I don't know if I ever told you guys this, but that little bedroom, the, the one where you would start to hear the person walk from upstairs. Mm -hmm. Yep. My grandmother, I hated this room so much. She had that room with cases of dolls, like just surrounding. So like, and that's the room I had to sleep in when I came up to Massachusetts in the summers to stay here. And I would have to go to bed in this room with dolls just encompassed around me, just staring at me. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds horrifying. And it was the worst. And I hated it so much. I do remember a couple of those little figurine things that they had in the attic and it added to the creepy creepiness of the attic. And those were like those little porcelain figures, which were uh, pretty spooky. Yeah. The worst. It's just, it's, they're terrifying. And then especially you get the right lighting and just a little bit of light and those dead eyes staring back at you. And it's just like, dude, what are we doing? Why, why is this a thing? Why are we collecting these dolls that are terrifying? And that's what they do, man. People are weird. Old people are weird. Did you guys hear about the black cat that uh, came along with the Annabelle doll when the Warrens first brought the doll back from the nurse's apartment? No. So um, they, didn't Annabelle, up shit. they ended up putting a butcher's knife through it on the, the kitchen table. No, no, no. It's a different, uh, okay, different demon. <laughs> um, so Annabelle apparently came with a friend. So when the Warrens moved the doll back into their uh, what's now a museum, it was Ed's office at the time, um, there was this black cat that would manifest around the doll. And it would appear out of nowhere and it would stalk back and forth, taking particular notice of books and other things around Ed's office. And then it would return to the doll side and uh, dematerialize from the head down. Really? So that was pretty interesting. From the head down. Oh, okay. Yeah, that is. Uh, 
That's that's when you first said that I thought that the cat would disappear except for its head. I'm like, that's all I thought from the neck neck down. This is a floating cat head around. Thank God it's back to just being a cat head. It's not scary anymore. (laughs) Yeah, just that's exactly what I pictured too. That's why I had to raise my eyebrow. I'm like, what? What is this story? story? So I guess there's some zoning issues in the, the Warren's museum in Connecticut is currently not open. But as far as I know, they're trying to figure it out and they're trying to get it open. But it's it's like something along the lines of like he can't have a business in that area. It's probably just a neighborhood because it's out of the house in the basement. Yeah, exactly. So. That's exactly. What it's a neighborhood, and they know if they ever opened it up to the public, there would just be a hundred cars on that street at all times lined up down the road. He's blowing it right now with the conjur with the controversy being as big as it is. He should just move the whole thing to like a, a like a, a storefront, and he would ma- he would do so well with that. People would come from all over. Yeah. Well, I know I know that he is bringing a lot of the objects to a paranormal convention that's happening in a couple months. It might even be in October. I think it was at Mohegan Sun. I sent this to you guys like a month or two ago, I think. And uh, I think we should definitely go check that out. Absolutely. Is it going to be Connecticut? Or? Yeah, I think it's it's at either Mohegan Sun or Foxwoods. I can't remember which one. One of the two casinos. So... Awesome. That's one of the ones we should check out. We are going to be checking out another one, which once we know exactly what we're going to do there, we'll announce. Yeah, we should definitely. I mean, it's Foxwoods or Mohegan. We look for any excuse to Foxwoods or Mohegan. So that sounds good to me. At um, least we have something. To, and if we freaking lose money, I'm blaming every bit of it on Annabelle. If yeah. she's there. I can't believe. I can't believe when I put $5,000 on red. Yeah. <laughs> Annabelle made me lose that one bet. Yeah. <laughs> that's tough. Yeah, that's what we have to do. I mean, that's but yeah, but in all seriousness, I would love to go see some of the not even just Annabelle. They got some other cool stuff in their collection that I really would like to check out. And I don't know how much he'll be able to bring, you know, because I wonder how much he just doesn't want to touch. So I I, I don't know right. anything about uh the Warren son and how much he's into this stuff and how much he believes or anything like that. But the, you gotta think that just moving that stuff around is probably pretty scary. Um, Andrew says, uh, do they accept Dipic Box donations? <laughs> trying to get rid of it already, Andrew? <laughs> That's uh, Jumbo Screams, the uh, Kiki Mora that Andrew received yeah. in uh, San Antonio. Cursed possession. Yeah. Better than scratching your neck, that's for sure. So the other thing scratching found- neck better than losing all your money gambling? I don't know. If I th- yeah, I guess it depends on how much you lose. I prefer <laughs> scratching the neck, I guess. Yeah. Got it, Rob? Uh, so the other thing I found interesting about this particular case is it's sort of similar to the Sally house in the aspect that, well, I mean, it's a man that brought on like the, the demonic energy, but for different reasons, like the Sally house, it seemed like it was just because he was a man. He didn't have to do anything. Whereas Lou in this one, he brought negative energy towards it. Mm-hmm. And once that negative energy was brought in is when things started to really escalate. Yeah. Before then, also, I'm sorry, go ahead. Before then it was just, you know, playful stuff. Uh, Annabelle would move just a little bit. She raised her hand supposedly at the kitchen table and then they would just find her in different parts of the house. And it started as them thinking that they were trying to prank each other. But the problem with that is they were both nurses and they worked at the same hospital on the same shift. Right. So they didn't know who was doing it. So 
And it, it, you also go back to the fact that they brought in a psychic medium. The psychic medium basically told them that this is a little girl's spirit and it just wants to be part of the family. And this is exactly right. what they told um, the girls living in the apartment. So they tried to welcome it in, brought it, you know, brought the doll around, even bought it jewelry and um, clothes and things and basically treated it like a child. And it takes me right, right back to the Sally house where it's like this, that the woman in the house really took on um, the motherly role to this ghost, which very well might have been a demon <laughs> and, you know, playing itself as a little girl. So it's uh, it, there's a lot of similarities between these two stories and just the progression of things getting worse. And then it also attacking a male. And it's, it's like the male's aggression that it, it didn't uh, take a liking to. And that's when uh, things started getting worse. What I find most interesting about that and what I would like to see or would have liked to see would be these notes that apparently the doll left around the house. Right. Or did they think to take photos of these notes? Like that is, if it's legit, that's some of the strongest paranormal evidence that you could ever have. So, so this is a recurring thing with a lot of the warrants cases and the, the evidence that they collected they'd collect it and they'd promise to give it back to the people and they wouldn't. This happened in the conjuring house with the parents. They took uh Carolyn Perrin's notebook mm-hmm. and they were like, we'll get it back to you. We'll get it back to you. I mean, Ed punched Rod. I mean, Roger punched Ed in the face and then they never came back. So that might've been the reason there, but there's a lot yeah. of different cases where they take things and they never get them back, which leads a lot of skeptics to believe like, okay, well, I think the Warrens are making all this stuff up and there is no actual evidence um, that's why nobody ever sees it after they collect it other from, you know, aside from like the objects that are in the museum. Right. And then there's also the tapes as well, where it's like, okay, yeah, they have all these tapes of these crazy incidents happening during these, um, these exorcisms of all this insane stuff happened, chairs flying around the room. It's, but they never release the tapes. So right. it's frustrating because I would like to see them real or fake, like even, you know, but Maybe I, I don't know what they would have been holding on to it for. I mean, they didn't die at a young age. <laughs> so, uh, I don't right. Know well, I mean, the, the theory is they're holding on to them because they don't exist. That's the theory. Yeah. That, uh, right. Exactly. So I'm saying that I don't know what their motive would be if they were holding on to legitimate stuff, especially when their legitimacy was being questioned. Well, uh, the note, the notes are also interesting because they said it was on like parchment paper, which was not in the house. So mm-hmm. they don't know where the paper came from. And the only like pushback that I could give, and it's a weak argument, is if you found notes around your house on some paper that wasn't yours that said, help us or help, you know, Jesse or help Dave, you might just get rid of it. Like if you're in like a shocked enough state, you're like, I just need to get rid of this right now. So, right. Uh, that I mean, it's a weak argument. I, I would also maybe check in with the neighbors and make sure that there isn't someone in danger <laughs> sliding yeah. up to your door, like, please help me. I, right. I've been kidnapped. Uh, they're like, oh, it must be a ghost. Throw it away. Uh, Andrew says, a psychic medium made things worse. I've never heard of that. <laughs> every single case every with time. a psychic medium, they just uh, exacerbate the problem. And then <clears> we also have the comment, I still fully support that if it's a child spirit. It's probably a demon, so you probably shouldn't listen to mediums about what it is. And I am a hundred percent in agreement with this. Like, as soon as you hear child spirit, like, yeah, maybe, but I'm gonna go to the overly cautious approach and say that what we see with every single demon story that we do is they are trying to pass themselves off as like a child or something. So I would be uh, very, very skeptical of what I was encountering. Very cool. All right. Anything else you guys want to touch on on uh, 
the Annabelle doll here? Um, not so much for me. I kind of said everything I needed to say. Mm-hmm. The story pretty much ends there. I mean, the doll's in the museum, and we're waiting for the museum to be opened back up. And maybe when it does open back up, someone will be dumb enough to mess with it, and we'll have a brand new case of uh, someone getting hurt by a demon. Yeah, it'll be us. Let's hope so. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what ahead. I do want to bring up, if we're going to be done with that, is we got we got to read them all because I said we would read them, but we got a ton of new reviews on Apple this week, which. Thank you guys so much. That is, it's amazing to see that. So we'll uh, run through some of these. I don't know if you guys want to share and so that it's not just my beautiful voice saying every single one, if you guys can pull them up, but well, let's take a look. Um, I know we got one from GG snap that I think will keep this show PG and not read that one. (laughs) I do appreciate that snap. You're, you're a legend for that. You said you're going to do it and you did. So that is a, that is snap. And then, like I said, if you guys haven't already, check out the uh, the YouTube channel. You can check out some of the shows. So This, this one's from Sarah. It's uh, It says, I found this show randomly. I started with the first episode, then skipped to San Antonio because I've stayed in that hotel and heard water sloshing in the bathtub when no one was in there. I love the history and the discussions after. It's a new way to enjoy ghost stories. I appreciate the increased quality as the season progressed. The first one was a little monotone and flowed too quickly from story to story. All right, Sarah, I'm going to stop this review real quick. <laughs> and we're going to fist fight, Sarah. That's going to happen. So I'm letting you know, Sarah. You want to? I love how you, you've read most of these. You screenshotted most of these and sent to us, and you read the one that kind of shit on you. And then you're like, wait a second. Yeah. So like the wrong one. Uh, then she goes, your honesty. We've gotten better over time, right? <laughs> Overall, it's a great podcast. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys grow and continue to improve. I wish you much success. I hope you cover the incredibly haunted city of Savannah, Georgia. I have experiences in an EVP from the Moon River Brewing Company. So thank you so much, first of all, even though, you know, we're going to fist fight. But thanks for your great review. Savannah is one of the places we have talked about. We will be covering it at some point. And if you have an EVP, hometownghoststories at gmail.com. Shoot us an email, shoot us the EVP, and we definitely would love to hear it. We'd definitely include it in the episode if it's any good. I got um, one here, Rob. We, we, promised that, we promised that, that this episode will be better than Rob's trash-ass episode one. So I did. Wow. <laughs> so this one's from... Uh, <laughs> it's Mount, one of our most successful episodes. Yeah, <laughs> Mount Laconte Village, I think. So it says, great production, well-researched, enjoy listening, and look forward to more. Being from Tennessee, I'd love to hear an episode about the Bell Witch. Yeah, I, I had texted I read, you guys about the Bell Witch. I read the Bell the Bell Witch story. It's pretty. It's a good one, but it's um, it's so old that there's not a lot of like visual stuff. I mean, I guess we could maybe we just do an audio podcast. I don't know. We could cover it though. It's a pretty big one. We could definitely go. Yeah, the the issue that I had with it was it's so long ago that where are we going to find images or videos? Uh, the a few of the good videos that I did saw they drew the pictures. Mm-hmm. But that's a that's a whole different process. Mm. So I had brought up the idea with you guys, and, and maybe we'll just ask the audience. Do you guys like the idea of poorly drawn ghost stories? You could do really poor. <laughs> I think it'd be entertaining as hell. I just have, have, the, have our kids draw all the pictures yeah. for it. Oh, my God. That actually might be even more creepy. Oh, that's, uh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, I, I'm going to – you know what? I'm just going to read Gigi Snap's episode. I mean, uh, Gigi Snap's review. So he says, uh, riveting. He says, if you want an informative ghost story, then you come to the right place. If you want to be slightly aroused by the soothing voices that are borderline ASMR, then you are definitely in the right place. Great content and story structuring. Keep them coming. Thank you, Snap. That was amazing. 
<laughs> so anyways, uh, next uh, week on the show, we have, we got, we have more, we have more. We have another one from infantry 11 it says y'all do an awesome job. I just found your podcast and I'm all caught up. Get me good hauling loads from Knoxville. Check out the haunted hotel in red boiling Springs, Tennessee. It's still open and you can stay there. I also know an extremely active house. My cousin lives in Portland, Tennessee, full body apparitions and she even moves furniture so again just shoot us an email and we'd love to hear the story that's awesome i'm wondering if that was i did actually get on the hometown ghost stories discord i got an entire ghost story from um from a listener oh really and i don't remember what state it was it was portland tennessee is that the town you just said or no yeah yeah definitely so okay. that's all right so he sent, he sent me the entire story on discord you guys can oh. actually go check it out on the discord it's a it's a pretty good story so i'm gonna do a little bit more digging into the town i found one bridge that was hunt or one tunnel that was hunted in that town. So I'm going to have to do a little bit more digging to find some more locations so we can cover a little bit more stuff, but that's cool. And that's exactly why we started this podcast was having people send us their hometown ghost story that nobody's ever heard before. In the meantime, we'll keep covering big episodes and everything. But the, the main thing that we want to do is cover these small stories that nobody's ever heard about. Yeah. It's, it's kind of turned into a hybrid show. We are going to cover big stuff, but as we said, we're going to be doing these cursed possession side stories. Dave and I just recorded. We're going to be doing horror movie reviews with me and Dave because we watch a ton of horror movies. So if you're into horror movies, you're going to get that content. Um, we're That'll just trying drop to on Friday, I think. You, okay, yeah, we're looking to put that out this Friday. And uh, yeah, this is just the yeah, stuff we're trying to do for everybody is get you a bunch of different stuff that's in this genre. Then- yeah, as, as summer approaches, there's a whole bunch of paranormal conferences and events that uh, we're looking into attending, maybe setting up a booth and stuff. So we're going to start doing more media stuff and kind of get the uh, get the show out there. So anyways, uh, we appreciate everyone tuning in. Next week, we have the Whaley House, San Diego, California, Old Town. Uh, this one. Love this story. Claims to be the most haunted house in America. Wow. <laughs> It's first time. It's amazing. It's not just on the list. They claim to be number one. Oh. And uh, it got ranked by some news site as, as number one. Oh. We'll get into whether or not we think it's number one, but this is uh, this is the Whaley House. I've actually been there, uh, but I haven't gone in. So we were in San Diego, and I was just, we went up to the front porch. We were cruising through Old Town. No, I, I stood on the porch of the general mm. store, and I, I, I was like, this is uh, – people were saying, like, this is the most haunted house in America, and there was a bunch of uh, there was a, a ghost tour group right outside, but we didn't have time. We were going out to eat. And we're like, oh man, we will come back. But this is before we were into all this kind of stuff. So that is um, that is that. So Pac Man Frog, spoiler alert, she has the same thought I have, which is the Sally House versus every other house yes, in America. I don't think I anything could top the Sally House ever. And right, uh, I agree. That was last week's episode. If you missed that one, check it out. Um, Catherine McSluggs most haunted house in the world, Indian burial ground, psychic medium, makes the situation worse, man in the house, denies existence. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for spoiling the rest of our episodes, Andrew. All right. Now what angle are we going to take? Poorly drawn ghost stories. It's all we have left now. Thanks. Anyways, uh, so Whaley House is next week. What are we got coming up after that, Dave? Are you doing um, Amityville? Yeah, I'm doing Amityville. Hell yeah. I'm excited about that. And then... Uh, Rob, I know you just finished your episode, but you got anything planned for the following one? I've I've literally got like 30 things that I'm looking at, so it just depends on which one I start running with this week. Awesome. Sounds good. Anyways, I want to thank you guys for tuning in. This has been episode number 22 of Hometown Ghost Stories, the true story behind the Annabelle, Annabelle doll in uh, Hartford, Connecticut was the origin story. So. Hartford. Hartford, dude. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll catch you guys next week for another episode 
with Hometown Ghost Stories. Make sure you guys subscribe and all that fun stuff. We'll see you next time. Later. Peace.